you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Awesome. Thank you, Bobby, so much. Okay, I want you to put yourself with me in the back of a minivan on family vacation, right? Been there in your life before, all right? I know also some of us have been in the front of that situation. And so imagine you're getting close to your destination, right? And the people in the back are going a little bit nuts And you give them some good news when you're getting close to your destination. We're staying at a hotel tonight, and glory upon glory, the hotel has a functional swimming pool, all right? So that's where we all are today. And if you've had that experience in your life, checking in to, I don't know, a Hyatt, or we were sort of like Best Western Super 8 family. I don't know. There's just different right? just kind of works out differently. It didn't go to a Hyatt until I had money to pay for it. So you walk in, right? And you walk into a pool, and I bet if we passed a microphone around today and I asked you about the rules of the pool, we could come up with many of them, right? Here's, I've got a sign today. It's not in English, but I think you can hopefully understand it. So a couple different rules, right? So this one, that's about, hey, shower, So, and it seems weird to like get wet before you get wet, but just like wash all the stuff off, right? So it's gross enough to swim in a pool with lots of other people, all right? So that's that, okay? So, and then this one, right? If you're an adult, make sure you have a little person with you, right? So that's just kind of how that all works. It also works in the reverse. If you're a little person, make sure you have a bigger person with you. Uh, And then here's this one right here. Like, don't leave trash around the pool, right? That's just not, just throw your stuff away, okay? That's kind of that one. This one's be careful that we're not running around. They like to use these terms like horseplay, like no horseplay in the pool area. Don't want anybody falling in who's not intending to fall in, okay? So that's that one right here. Here's this one. Don't swim at night because that's when the sharks come out. No, don't swim at night because we don't want to disturb the hotel guests. I recently did a wedding in Minnesota, and I had the room right by the pool, and I'm talking like right by the pool. Like the the wall, they had, were still finishing, you know? And so I could hear for until 10 o'clock at night, all the splashing, all the stuff, right? So you don't wanna go swimming at like two o'clock in the morning because people are trying to sleep, all right? So that's kind of that rule. Here's one about diving, right? So bad news, right? If you're going to jump into the three-foot end of the pool and try to do like those dives that I've been watching on the Olympics, how amazing are those human beings, right? That is wild. Although, I'm nervous every time they're going to hit their head on the platform. Anybody else with me? Anybody else nervous about that? Man, something to pray about, I guess. So, that's that. Be careful. Uh, This is my personal favorite. If you have leprosy, do not go swimming. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. If you have leprosy, maybe don't show up to the hotel. I don't know. That's just sort of, I'm really not sure. I think this is, if you have open sores, right? So don't, if you have 50 Band-Aids, don't jump into the pool and swim. Um, and then, of course, glassware, right? We don't want glassware around the pool for obvious reasons. And so, yeah, I, you didn't need me to tell 
you all of those. I know there are those of us in the room today who have broken some of those rules because there aren't lifeguards at hotel pools, so you can actually get away with a lot. We all have different kinds of relationships with rules today. And there's a list of things that are close to the heart of God in the scriptures, and we know them as the Ten Commandments. And maybe we couldn't list them in the proper order today if I was offering you a prize, a steak dinner, or a cruise, or a night away. You might not be able to do that, but you can probably recognize some of them. You've probably heard them before, and so we'll just review them really quick. So number one, like no other gods. So God's just saying like, hey, I want to be it. I want to be your one and only God. I don't want you to spend a life searching for meaning, identity, purpose, love outside of me. I created you. I love you. I've empowered you. So, hey, like, no other gods. And then we have number two, no graven images. Like, this is just like, hey, refuse to reduce me. Like, like don't reduce me down to some kind of image, like I'm much more than that. So let's don't make me into an idol like I'm the Lord God who with grace and power and mercy has spoken this world into motion and you into being. So don't make an image and bow down to that. Number three, don't misuse the Lord's name. Like what's this about? You sort of find out as you unpack and as you study the Bible, it's not about a a list of words you shouldn't say as much as it's about carrying the name and the reputation of God well, which is actually a lot more difficult than not saying this word or that word or that other word. So carry my name and reputation well in the workplace and at home when you're tired and crabby on the interwebs, carry my name and reputation well. In traffic, carry my name and reputation well. While you're waiting for someone to call you back, text you back, greet you back, carry my name and reputation well. Number four, keep the Sabbath holy. So understand that you are more than what you can earn and accomplish. Much more than the dollar amount you have in your Wells Fargo accounts, much more than you can, what you have accomplished in this last year. So I think if you would, again, we could pass a microphone around, I think we could talk about, oh, the stuff we wish we would have been able to accomplish this year. And our identity is not wrapped up in that. Next Sunday, we have back to school Sunday, and we have a little backpack tag that every kid gets to put on their backpack and if you're an adult you get to have one too you can put on the diaper bag you can put it somewhere in your car and this year we've included what I think is a helpful reminder it comes from Henry Nouwen and he talks about identity and some lies of identity and I am not what I do I'm not what I have and I am not what other people say about me Helpful reminder for kids as they prepare to go back to school and helpful reminder for us. We're not what we do. We're most certainly not what we have. And we are never what people say 
about us. So understand, you're more than what you can earn and accomplish, so take some time to rest, unplug, be, and enjoy what God has created because it says that God rests, so the creator also unplugs from the creation so that he can breathe. Uh, number five. Oh, we skipped five. Honor your mother and father even when they. Fill it in. Honor them. Even when they're sarcastic. Even when they're hurtful. Even when they forget. Even when they lose their temper. Even when they've hurt you. Honor them your father and your mother. And just a reminder, this isn't a time to elbow anybody in the house, so that's just for free. That's for lunch after, okay? So honor your father and mother. Number six, do not murder. What's that about? Don't remove my image from another person. Everybody on planet Earth has been made in the image of God. And to take someone's life is an attempt to remove the divine image, the divine stamp on their life. Number seven, don't commit adultery. Don't implode your family and the families of others through pursuing a relationship outside of marriage. Number eight, don't steal. Don't take for yourself what belongs to others. It seems easy. What's hard about the commandments or when they're, it's not convenient to follow them. Like when we're actually in a moment where it's not going to benefit us to be faithful in the moment. It would benefit us to be unfaithful in the moment and to break the commands. Number nine, don't lie. Tell the truth about people. Don't say they did something they didn't do or didn't do something that they did. Tell the truth about people. And the last one, don't covet. This one's always been interesting to me because a lot of those we just listed are like behaviors. Like you can see like, oh, you lied. Oh, you stole. Oh, you whatever, whatever. But coveting is like this internal thing. And it's always been interesting to me that like that's how it ends. So God cares, of course, about our outward behavior, but he also cares about the inward condition of our lives. Don't covet. Be careful about what you desire because nothing will shape you like your desires will. That's kind of what that's about. So again, I know that many of us have heard these and we're not today going to take them one by one and we're going to spend seven minutes on each one. That does not sound that fun to me. What sounds a lot more fun to me is understanding why we have them and where they've come from and what it would look like for us to live in light of them. So, when are they given? That's an amazing question. Let me answer it. So, they're given twice, actually. So, oh, I need my laser pointer. So, the first time that they're given is the, Israel has left Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised land in Canaan. So, they're like three months into their journey in the book of Exodus. Bobby just read it for us. When the Ten Commandments are given to a whole nation of people. Like, hey, this is my heart, God's saying. Like, I've not just saved you out of this land of slavery so that you can, like, do whatever. No, I've saved you so that you might do for others what's been done for you. 
So you might live in light of the rescue, of the freedom, of the grace, of the kindness, of the compassion, of the mercy. Would you live in light of it? So here's how you're going to do that. So it's given, we think, like three months into their journey at the very beginning. And then it's also in the book of Deuteronomy. When is that given? Well, that's given like 40 years into the journey. So it's given the first time when they're entering the land of promise. They're, they're, they're exiting Egypt and they're on their way to the land of promise. And then it's given in Deuteronomy right when they're about to enter it. So it's given twice. So in Exodus chapter 20 and then again in the book of Deuteronomy. And you need to understand that when, when Israel exits Egypt... They are not fully mature servants of God. They have not figured out what it looks like to live in light of what God has done for them. Like they've lived their entire existence as slavery, as slaves in a foreign land, in a foreign nation. They, one way to say it, they exit. I had to take off my watch. That's why I did that, because I didn't want to ruin it. It was Father's Day present, so just being honest with you. So they exit Egypt with, like, the residue of Egypt still. Like, they're not fully mature servants of God. Like, they exit Egypt, like, still dripping with, like, the residue of it. Like, they've lived in a land where they've been told, like, hey, this is who God is. Like, hey, this is, like... What's worthwhile? This is what you should pursue. And I'm convinced that part of the reason why they have to take such a long time to enter the promised land is because God has a new marinade for their lives to be in. Like there's a new way of life that he wants for them. And they've been soaking in the things of Egypt. And God wants them to begin to soak in the things of the kingdom. It turns out that doing all of that is really difficult. It's painful. It's not going to come easy. And it's not going to come, we could even say, naturally. But step after step after step. The Israelites needed these Ten Commandments, and so do we. And the Israelites found it to be really challenging to live in light of these commandments. And that will be our experience, too. And there are lots of people who would say today, you know what drives me insane about Christianity? You know what I don't like about it? It's just a bunch of rules. Like anybody have a phone number in your phone of someone who would say Christianity is just a bunch of rules? Anybody have a family member who would say that? A coworker? And maybe some of us even grew up in a community of Jesus that really emphasized the rules. And we didn't hear a lot about the love of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God, the purposes of God. We heard a lot about how broken we are. And we better obey the rules. I want you to notice something. Verse 2, before the rules are given, this is so beautiful. This is the grace. Before the rules are given, what do we see? I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then verse 3, you should have no other gods before me. 
So what do you see before the rules? We see rescue. You see rescue first. I've brought you out. I've carried you out. I've set your feet on solid ground. Like, that's the context. That's the stage upon which the heart of God is laid on. Isn't that so beautiful? That it's rescue first before the rules. So what does that mean? It means that the rules are not the bridge to rescue. It means that the rules are not the means of rescue. It means that the rules are not the roadmap to rescue. It means that rescue happens first. And then once rescue has happened, you see the heart of God on the page. Like, no other gods. No other gods. I don't want you to find your identity and your worth and your hope in any God outside of me. The commandments are given not to establish the relationship. Isn't that beautiful? These rules aren't given so that there would be a relationship between God and Israel, God and humanity. No, the, is, the relationship already existed because God carried them out of slavery, away from Pharaoh, away from that darkness and that sentence that was so heavily laid upon them. Rescue comes as the first chapter of the story. And yes, there are some things that God wants from and for his people. So I think what's beautiful is that the Ten Commandments answer a question. Like, how should a rescued people respond to God? Like, if it's true that we've been steeped in a way of life in in a culture that is outside and apart from the kingdom. And we've been pulled out of that place. We've been rescued out of that place. Like, how do we respond to a God who has done that? How should a rescue people, one way to say it, how should a rescued people respond to the rescuer? And I need to tell you that with God and in Jesus... It is ever and always rescue before rules. Ever and always. And not just in the book of Exodus, it turns out. I found out this this week, which was amazing. If you go to the book of Ephesians, which we're going to study the book of Ephesians in the fall, you also see this play out in the book of Ephesians. So Ephesians has six chapters. It's this letter that the Apostle Paul writes to a Jesus community that are what? That are trying to work out what it means to respond to the rescuer. And what are the first three chapters about? The first three chapters are about rescue. You ever heard of this verse? Like, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, lest anyone boast. The lest, that's the King James. It's in me, and I just, it's stuck. I don't boast about it. That's the book of Ephesians. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like rescue. And over and over and over, in those first three chapters, God, through the Apostle Paul, is just saying, hey, like God adopted you to be his kids, Like, God picked you out. God picked you up. God brought you home. 
again and again and again, over and over. Know that you belong. Know that you belong. Know that you belong. Know that you belong. You are going to get annoyed in the fall by the Apostle Paul hearing that message. He is going to whack you with the you belong bat over and over and over and over. That's the first three chapters of Ephesians. Know that you belong. Know that you belong. Know that you belong. But then there's chapter 4, and chapter 5, and chapter 6. And Paul says, hey, for those of you who have been stealing, stop it. Don't steal anymore. You've been doing that your whole life. And we know that you belong, and so now you need to stop stealing. He's going to tell them to put away all falsehood, is one way he'll talk about it. So everything that's false, put that away. Get rid of that. Leave that behind. He's going to tell us to be kind to one another, to forgive one another. He's going to tell you to honor your husband, to honor your wife, to honor your kids, to honor your parents. Like these are commands, but the commands, the rules, they come after the rescue. It's so beautiful. Because what if they're in reverse? What if the rules are the bridge to relationship? And I've seen it tell the house today, like, I don't know that God. But I for sure know the God who's a rescuer and then says, hey, we got to talk about some stuff. It's critical to our understanding of God. Rescue first, rules second. Imagine a family adopting a child. And amazing, we've gotten to experience that in the family that I grew up in. And we're able to bring this baby into our house. And I had no idea what was going on at the moment. I was a little kid. I just remember being at the judge's quarters and I wanted to bang the gavel. That's what I remember about when we did that. But when's the adoption finalized? Like someone's like, hey, when, when is that all? Well, it's going to be finalized once the kid understands and follows through and obeys all the rules. Because we got rules in our house. We got rules about dishes. They don't go under your bed. They don't stay on the table. They go in the sink. And we got rules about screens. About how much you watch a screen, what you can watch on a screen, the place you can watch a screen. We got rules about dishes. We got rules about screens. We got rules about shoes. So when you come in the house, there's something that you do with your shoes. I mean, you got rules about the bathroom, too. That's an important one. There's a way we interact in that space. I don't need to go into all of it today because then you're just going to giggle. But once the child understands the rules about all of those things, then the adoption's finalized. How ridiculous is that? No, the child's brought in and he or she is the recipient of the lavish love of the parent. But can I just tell you my experience in and around church? Is that's how we interact with God. The rules become, for so many of us, the bridge of what establishes relationship. That the adoption's finalized when we obey all the rules. 
when we figured it all out. And what happens when that choice is made is that God is left out of the process. And it's about what, who we are and what we bring into the relationship. And what happens when we do that? We make ourselves God. Oh, that happens to be the first commandment. No other gods. So Dave, make sure rules aren't your God. Make sure your ability to carry it all out is not your God. Rescue first. Rules second. So the Ten Commandments. I think it's tempting to look at that list and to kind of look at our life as like a piece of pie. And our life is made up. We have different things that we have given our time, our energy, our resources to, right? You have like your work piece. You have like your friendship piece. There's a God piece in there. And I think what happens with the Ten Commandments a lot is the understanding at the end is like, oh, I need to give God a bigger piece. <laughs> I need to give church a bigger piece. And I think that's an okay desire, but I want to tell you something that's better. Better than looking at your life as pieces and thinking and believing and knowing like, oh, I need to give God a bigger piece. What if the Ten Commandments show us that the Ten Commandments and God is a Pyrex? Because what happens with a Pyrex? You're going to make a pie. You can make pie other times on Thanksgiving, praise the Lord. And you put the crust in there, and what happens? It forms to this, right? Whatever you pour into this, is going to be formed by it. So in the Ten Commandments, it's, we're just left with this question. Like, what are the list of things that are forming our life? So what if instead of me giving God a bigger peace, what if the Ten Commandments become a bridge for me to live a life that is shaped by the commandments, that is shaped by rescue, and that is shaped by the rules that come after the rescue. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, where the commandments are given again, comes in a place where the people of Israel are reminded, like, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. That's a pretty high bar. Not a bigger piece of your heart than last year. All your heart. All your soul. All your mind. All your strength. Turns out, it doesn't happen by trying harder, but by thinking about it differently. And so, I'm cognizant of the fact today that as we look through this list, there's maybe one or two or three of the things that I read off that's like, yeah, I, that needs a change in my life. And, and that's good. 
it's good to consider that and think about that. But I also want us to think about the list of things that are shaping our story, shaping our identity, shaping what we believe about God and ourselves and the world that he has put it in. And I just think it's so beautiful that God's a rescuer. Before he even talks to us about his heart, And the adoption gets finalized when he brings us home. Because it turns out it's going to take a while for us to learn the ways of the family. But learning the ways of the family is not the entrance into the family. The entrance into the family helps us understand the way of the family. Will you receive it in the name of Jesus? Let's pray. God, we thank you today for the truth of your word. And we thank you that you are a rescuing God. We thank you that you are a gracious, a good, compassionate God. I don't want to pray for those in the room today who have grown up in a context, in a moment, in a season where rules have been the bridge to relationships. I pray that today would be just a continuation of a conversation you're having with them about their worth, their identity, their belonging. God, I pray that you would help us to have a life that is shaped by the kingdom. That these commandments, your heart, your ways, actually do shape our decisions, they shape our words, they shape our interactions. In a life where you are the hero and we are not, it's not all about us trying harder, doing more, but about us receiving the rescue that you have come to provide. God, thanks for this church, for the gift that it is to me, for the gift these people are to me, and for the gift that this time is give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.